Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Galatians 5 verse 22 this morning this has been our springboard some of you might not even have to look at your Bibles by now we've done this so many times but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith verse 23 meekness temperance against such there is no law they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts we live in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. This morning, our focus is there, verse 23, the first word, meekness today. Meekness today. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your Spirit that we have felt in this place. Pray, oh, Lord, that you would help us in the next few moments, Lord, this morning. God, through the teaching of your word, God, that someone, Lord, would be encouraged, strengthened, God, that we would see yet another facet, God, of the fruit of the Spirit to be born, Lord Jesus, in our lives. God, let it be conditioned, Lord, and do so. God, I pray, Lord, let someone resonate, God, with what, Lord Jesus, is being said and will not fail to thank you for it. The lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. I'm going to try to keep picking my feet up and putting them down so we can get through this today I know uh, I realize what time it is well I'll be mindful of that today meekness 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 it has been termed uh, throughout theologians and people that are scholars to have been called the untranslatable word of the original manuscripts that we get uh, our English Bibles from from the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic it's been called the untranslatable word uh, its meaning in the Greek is different than what uh, the meaning is in our English dictionaries and what our English dictionaries portray it as. And something is for sure, and this, uh, this may go without saying, but I think it's important because of maybe the way that our English society portrays the word meekness, and that is this. It's not to be confused with weakness. Uh, a meek person is not a weak person. A meek person is not necessarily a timid person. They're not to be confused uh, with those things but when we look at the word and what it means in the Greek language the word describes the quality of not being overly impressed by a sense of one's self-importance and that definition alone may reveal just a little bit why American Christians have difficulty with that facet of the fruit of the spirit because we tend to want to make our mark with with the world and with people in general because we don't want to be interpreted as meek or as the English dictionaries would call it, weak. We don't want, American people don't want to be interpreted as being meek or as it would be described today in our English dictionaries, weak. And so as a result of that, as individuals, we tend to flex our muscles. I'm not talking about a literal muscle, although there's some that do that as well. But we, we tend to flex our muscles because we want to be seen and we want to be respected as important. As a person of, uh, uh, you know, to, to be revered as somebody of, of importance and class and so on and so forth. And so in the Word of God, our, our, best, our best places to go to look what meekness is or what, what it is defined as throughout the Scriptures to go to two individuals, particularly in Scripture, 
that the Bible describes that they were meek. Amen. And those two people are Moses and Jesus Christ. These are two very well described examples in the Word of God that are mentioned of being weak. Meek, rather, not weak. Amen. The Bible says in Numbers 12, in verse number 3, speaking of the man Moses, now the man Moses, the Bible says, was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So he stood head and shoulders above all whenever it came to this attribute of meekness in his life. And so we understand Moses at different times, consider with me, Moses at different times was standing in the courts of Pharaoh and he would stand there and he was declaring, you know, let God's people go. Uh, uh, and so from that, him entering to uh, the, 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 the palace of perhaps the most powerful man in Egypt, Pharaoh, and demanding such a thing as let God's people go automatically tells us we're not talking about a weak man. We're not talking about a spiritless man or a tame man, so to speak. He was not timid whenever it came to what meekness may be described as today in our English dictionaries. As a matter of fact, we also see that once he had spent time in the Mount of God, and he descended from there with the Ten Commandments in his hands. And he was a little upset because of what was taking place on the ground. It wasn't the sound of war. It was the sound of celebration. And they had the golden cap that was made. And there was dancing and drinking and people laying with one another. The Bible speaks of him just casting down those tables of stones. And he broke them. That doesn't paint the picture of a weak man. Of a timid man. Of a tame man. Amen. Moses was the deliverer that God had chosen for the nation of Israel. And he's very instrumental in the exodus in getting them out of Egypt. And so he is, in, by many standards, a man of power. He is a man of authority. Amen. He is. And so what we have in Numbers 12 is Aaron and Miriam, relatives of Moses, have spoken against Moses, the Bible seems to portray, or what we get at a surface level, because Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. But the real problem with the scenario of Numbers 12 is what's in verse number 2, because they said to Moses, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? It was kind of like this whole marrying the Ethiopian thing was the thing they was putting out there, but the real problem was that Moses, do you think you're the only one that God can speak through? This is the real problem. That was just kind of the thing that they put out there. And so when we understand that, they're, they're attacking Moses' position, and they're basically telling them, Moses, Moses, we can be used by God too. You're not the only one. We can be used by God too. And in all of this, they're, they're doing this. They're attacking, we could say, they're attacking, verbally attacking Moses and the authority and the power that God had given him, placed him and positioned him. And in all of this, we don't see Moses saying anything. Moses is not opening his mouth. There's no indication of that in Scripture. Matter of fact, while Moses is not saying something, God speaks and addresses the situation. And the Lord speaks because the Bible says he, he heard what was going on. There you go. You can't, you can't say it without God knowing it. I don't care how private of a setting it is. God heard what was going on. And so without Moses ever breathing a word in his own defense, amen, here is this. And, and let's back up here. In all reality, looking at what's taking place, he could have. He's the man that God put where he was with the authority that he had. He could have lashed out. He could have said, man, he could have cut them down the side. 
He could have flexed his muscles. <laughs> he could have cut them down to size, but he didn't. And the Lord addresses the situation. But here's what I want you to notice. The first time that Moses did say something in this whole setting right here is that he asked that the leprosy that God had put on Miriam because of all this mess, that God would take away from her and heal her. We have a man of power and authority that could have done something because he was being spoken against. Could have defended himself. Could have had a lot of leadway, Brother Fred. But the first time he said anything about all of it was if the person that is suffering the consequence for doing what they were doing, if they just might be healed before the Lord. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a demonstration of meekness. Because meekness, just with three words, we can define it scripturally, and that's power under control. Power under control, or power kept in reserve. See, what meekness does, meekness sets aside its rights. Doesn't mean it doesn't have rights, but it sets them aside with a greater purpose in mind. Uh huh. A greater purpose or, or a greater motive in mind. It, it, it's Moses having the power of a deliverer, the authority of the man that God had put in place, having all that power, but without abusing it, and even without flaunting it. That's meekness. That's meekness. And so we understand then it, it's a sense of self-control that's based on God's control. Oh yeah, that's important. It's a self-control that's based on God's control. Because Moses understood something. We'll probably talk about this later, but i got to run. Amen. Moses is a man in authority, but he's also under authority. And the meekness that he, he showed in that episode was a man that was not only in, but although having authority, he was under the control of another. And that's the reason why the fruit of the Spirit, one of these attributes, facets of the fruit of the Spirit, is meekness. Because we can't have true biblical meekness without having the control of the Spirit. The control of the Spirit of God. And we need the Holy Ghost in order to have that God control factor in our life. And so meekness really comes because you've surrendered your life to God. You might have power before that. Amen. But be able not to abuse it or not to flaunt it comes whenever God enters our life and we surrender the control we do have unto the Lord. Might I say in some of the most difficult times of our life when it's hard to do that. They say, as a little illustration to understand this concept of, of meekness, for instance, the power of a Tusani pushing or even bending a steel beam is one thing. But to put it in terms of what meekness is, because that's power. That's power, to be able to bend a steel beam with that type of force uh, that would come from, 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 from water. But meekness would be taking that same water, forcing it through a little diameter hole of maybe 10,000th uh, uh, of that small little hole of a 10,000th diameter, and that water exiting that hole at about 2,250 miles per hour, which is Mach 3 type speed, and having the ability of 55,000 pounds per square inch, the ability to cut the steel. That's power under control. Now, power all just outlandish, it might bend it, but under control it can cut it. 
That's the difference of having meekness and not having meekness. Out of control, but in control. You can do a whole lot more with your power in control than you can your power out of control. Amen. And so meekness is not weakness. It's power under control, which really means a greater power. A greater power. Being in the authority and handling the authority of those above you, a greater power. Having the ability to call the shots, do your own thing, but when you have meekness, you choose to succumb to another. You could, but you, you choose not to. In the secular Greek writings, the same word meekness that we have in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 23 in Greek writings, when they were writing in the Greek, they used the same Greek word, and they would oftentimes use it to describe a soothing wind, or a healing medicine, or a coat that had been broken, all right? A coat that had been broken. And so in some circles there in the, in the, 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 the Greek nations, a horse or a coat that won the race was often called the meekest horse. The meekest horse. Because it was the horse that was most under the control of its rider. The meek horse was the meekest horse because it was a horse that was able to be controlled and therefore respond to the jockey that was riding on the horse. And so taking that same analogy, applying it to us, the meek person is a, is a person who has learned to accept being under control. Such a great thing aspect of a fruit of the spirit because when that spirit is in our lives and we are obedient and submissive to that spirit in that life we are and our members are under the control as we've said throughout the study of another and that ladies and gentlemen is a demonstration of meekness someone say meekness, meekness. and so primarily in our christian walk our meekness is our submissiveness to god to god rather than toward ourselves or toward man. Let me state it like this. A meek person, first ordained or instructed, as the Bible says, than what his father wanted him to do. Amen. The Bible says Jesus' flesh didn't do anything, if we can state it like that, because we know God was, that, that Jesus was both God and man, but that Jesus in his flesh did not do anything that Jesus in his spirit should have been doing. Does that make sense? Jesus' flesh didn't do anything his spirit didn't want him doing because he had meekness. He was under the control of his spirit. The Bible says in Matthew 11 and verse number 29, I got to run. The Bible says, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Now look, whenever Christ talked to his disciples, he's not telling them, Hey, boys, gather around. Learn of me how to work miracles. Right? No. His call to them was not come. I'll show you how to open the eyes of the blind, raise the dead. No, 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 no. His call to them, what he wanted them to learn in this moment, wasn't for any of those things, but he said, come and learn of me. I am meek. No, it wasn't to show a miracle sign, wondering, because that would have been very powerful. He said, but let me show you what power looks like under control. Wow. Come learn of me and so just as he had been submitting to the will of God he wanted his disciples to become submissive to the will of God and so now we see we'll say well Jesus was weak no think of the times that he stormed in the temple with his little cord that he had made 
driving out the money changers and even the animals out of, out of the temple. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that whenever he was there going in the garden from the garden, going to go through his, his uh, 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 trial uh, of trying to convict him of something so they could put him on the tree, remember he said, if I want to, I could call some angels right now. That, that would deliver me from this mess. And I could call angels when he was on the cross to deliver him from the cross. But look what he's doing here. Look what he's doing here. In all of this, Christ is operating in such a way that he's under the control of God. Meek people are more eager to defend God than to defend themselves. And so, in all, and, and that's very true. Look at Abraham and Lot. Abraham was a man of power and control, but because of meekness, Lot, you choose. You do whatever you need to do. We got a little war going on between our, our uh, uh, shepherds here. And so you, you, so Joseph and his brothers, Joseph, whenever he came second command, had a lot of power. Could have done a lot of things when his brothers come needing provision. But what did he do? He withstood from doing so. Power under control. David and Saul. Huh? How many times was David in the cave? There's Saul, the man that's seeking to kill, his, kill him. He goes and he just cuts off the fringe the hem of his garment or he's asleep at another time and one of the warriors of David says let me just go across the ditch here and we'll take care of business right David doesn't do it what is that that's meekness that's power under control David and Shimei Shimei's throwing rocks and dust at David one of the warriors says I'll go over there and cut his head off if that had been me I'd probably said do it you know but David said no it's a pre-adventure God sent this man to be doing this to me power under control he was showing forth meekness and so they act on God's behalf rather than on their own David said God might be doing something here and so when we look at Christ from Bethlehem to Calvary from Bethlehem to Calvary the entire life of Christ was a demonstration of meekness the Bible says in Philippians 2 and verse number 5 it says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. I included that verse so you know who the who is referring to in verse 6. It's referring to Christ Jesus. Verse 6, who, that is Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7, though, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself, right? And became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Folks, from Bethlehem to Calvary, he was illustrating an attribute of meekness. He's the great God of glory. He could have taken on some form of some great king and the most illustrious person on the earth, but he didn't. He came down in human flesh like you and I are. Didn't take no reputation, nothing notable on himself. What was, what was Christ Jesus walking on the earth? The power of God in control. Yeah. So much so he even went to the depth. The Bible says the depth of the cross. Notice he wasn't just being obedient to death, but the worst type of death. The death, the most demeaning type of death. The death of the cross. The one that they said... Cursed is anybody that hangs on a tree. He says, I'll take that curse and I'll give you my blessing. What is that's meekness? That's meekness. As a matter of fact, many ways, some of the temptations in the wilderness in Luke 4, Matthew 4, uh, were nothing more but a trial of Jesus' meekness. Turn stones into bread. I could do it. He could have done it. But he didn't. Meekness. 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 
Amen. And so his ability to keep those things in check by the will of God is an illustration of meekness. So how do we learn meekness from Christ? How do we learn meekness from being yoked to Christ? Well, a, a yoke, many of you, and we're, I'm, not, I'm not trying to uh, by no means insult anybody's intelligence, but, but a yoke was nothing but in that day just a wooden frame that was put on the backs of animals and around their necks that joined two animals. Note this, that joined two animals for a common task. Such as plowing a field or pulling a load. Yet in biblical times, normally a young ox was commonly yoked up with an older ox. More experienced ox. So that the older ox might train the younger ox to perform properly in pulling the load or in plowing the field. And so by example, if they bear the same yoke, older ox, younger ox, the untrained ox would soon learn the proper pace to go at, how to heed the direction of the master that's back here, uh-huh, how to heed the direction of the master, and so whenever Jesus said, my yoke is easy. In Palestine, the, the, the yokes were made of wood for the oxen. The oxen were brought in. Measurements were taken. The yokes were kind of roughed out. And then they brought the oxen back in and they tried it on them and made any just uh, I don't, <laughs> pardon me, I don't know if this is probably the best today. It's probably kind of like getting fit for denture. take a cast of your mouth and then go back in after you get them if there's any places you're having problems with they'll make that uh, this is the adult Bible class so <laughs> is made known through their words person's will is made known through their words so the will of God is made known through the words of God or the Word of God. The Bible. The Bible says in James 1.21, it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. See, a submission to the word of God is a submission to the will of God. Because God makes his will known by his word. So a submission to the word of God is submission to the will of God. And so when you receive it, you accept it. You do those things. You don't argue with it. You're receiving it then with a spirit of meekness. And note, he said the engrafted word. The engrafted word. That's something that they might use in a nursery. The engrafted word. Whenever they're taking a branch or some little new shoot and they're trying to engraft it into an established tree whenever they do that they're going to take a little knife and they're going to make a little incision in that, 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 that tree that is secure and steadfast and they're going to take that branch and they're going to ever so delicately place it in the incision that they made and they're going to engraft it inside of that other tree that new shoot they're going to put it in and then that tree that they're putting this into it receives that new shoot it makes it its own 
it starts building around that and incorporates it. And from my understanding, if a person does a good enough job with the engrafting, and there is a good relationship in the tree accepting that which is engrafted. As that grows older, you cannot tell that that branch was engrafted into the tree because it was so acceptive. Oh, yeah. So with meekness, we receive the engrafted word of God. And if we're accepting to it, as we grow in this thing, there'll be people saying, Whenever you start to tell them your history and your past, what you once was, they'll bow their head and shake and say, what in the world? I can't even think about you being like that. That's because you were so meek in receiving God's word. They can't consider you any other way than the way that you are right now today. It's as though you never... When you see the word with meekness. So you've got to provide a place for its occupancy in your life. Meekness is making room for the Word of God, the will of God in your life till it becomes a part of you. Uh huh. So that you can't distinguish one from the other. Because that's, I, I really don't have time to say all this stuff, but that's the reason why the Apostle Paul then told him, he said, You all are epistles written and read. What are you saying, Paul? He said, Not only have you received the Word, not only has it been engrafted in you. But you've been so well accepting to it, people can't tell which is the epistle. You're an epistle written and read. But what did Bishop say? They all say, you know, sometimes your, your life is the only Bible somebody reads. But whenever you receive the word of God that's engrafted in you with meekness, you become a walking word. Amen. Of God. Hallelujah. We got to go. We got to go. Someone say go. Thank you. You're helping me out greatly. Number two. Meekness, shade of meaning, being teachable. Being teachable. Not too proud to learn. The Bible says in Psalms 25 and verse 9, he says, the meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. So there's something very illustrative here of the meek. He will guide them and he will teach them because the meek allowed themselves to be guided and taught. Uh-huh. You're only a leader... You're only a leader if people allow you to lead them. I mean, seriously. They allow you to lead them, allow you uh, allowed to be taught. Those who are meek don't have the attitude, you can't teach me anything. They don't have the unteachable, unguidable spirit. Number three, I'm moving. Meek, a shade of meekness is being considerate. The example would have been Moses. Miriam just got the leprosy from the Lord because of what she had done. But he's saying, God, will you please heal her? Mm-hmm. And, and there's other verses in the Bible that convey that whenever we deal with people's errors or faults, that we should approach them with a spirit of meekness, with other people's faults. For instance, 1 Corinthians 4.12, these are questions, but the Apostle Paul is putting them out there to the Corinthian church. He says, what will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Paul felt like he had begotten the Corinthian church by the gospel, the Bible says. So he felt very fatherly toward them, like a fatherly figure or a fatherly road to them in their new Christian lives. And they had a lot of things they needed help with. They had some things that were out of alignment. But he wanted to know, do you want me to come as, as with a rod, like a schoolmaster? You want me to come as a father with love and with consideration, the spirit of meekness. As a matter of fact, in the very next chapter of Galatians, Galatians chapter number 6, it's Galatians 6 where there was instruction given 
Galatians 6 and 1, instruction given on how one should approach somebody that's overtaken in the fault. The Bible says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in the fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Look now, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. A person will be considerate of people's faults and weaknesses when they consider how very well they also could have succumbed to the very same thing and failure that they're presently in. So we need to be considerate. The spirit of meekness, when it looks at another's fault, says, that could have been me. And so I'm going to handle this in a considerate, ginger way. Just a few other verses of Scripture, how meekness is considerate of another. Just throwing them out there. Ephesians 4.2, the Bible speaks about, with meekness you forbear one another. How you deal with other people? Meekness shows up. In 2 Timothy 2.25, it says, In meekness instruct those opposing themselves. People having some difficulties here. Titus 3.2, he says, We are to show meekness to all. All men. But here it is. We cannot show meekness until we become meek. The, and this is, this is the rule of thumb with all the fruit, with the fruit of the Spirit in general, all the different facets, all the different manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, all of that, that we've tried to hammer the same nail over and over again. The fruit of the Spirit firstly is being, and then it is doing. It's about who we are before it's about what we do about who we are before what we do. And so being meek or meekness isn't, isn't necessarily a natural trait. It's a part of the fruit of the Spirit, something born and generated by the Spirit of God that we have received. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, Zephaniah even tells us to seek meekness. We're not just talking about something, you know, one morning you just wake up and boom, there it is. You know, we're hoping though if you're nurturing the Spirit of God that's in you that that can condition uh, for the growth of meekness in your life, but you're to seek meekness. Paul said in Colossians that you're even to put on meekness or clothe yourself with meekness. The elect of God was to do so. Amen. As a matter of fact, in, in Matthew 5, it gives a list. And sometimes you should sit down and look at the list of the attitudes and the list of the fruit of the Spirit and kind of see some of the similarities that are between many of the two. But the third beatitude in Matthew chapter number 5 is, is that the meek shall inherit the earth. And there's a little variation to that in the Old Testament of Psalms chapter 37 and verse 11 the Bible says but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace all right and there's the same passage spoken in verse 9 very similar in verse 9 of Psalms 37 as well so verse 11 was the meek in verse 9 it says for evildoers shall be cut off but those that wait everybody say wait upon the Lord they shall inherit the earth and so there must be some connection here if those that wait upon the Lord inherit the earth and those that are meek inherit the earth, there must be some type of close connection between waiting on the Lord and being meek. And this is the only illustration I can give you. It's like me telling my kids we're walking, uh, you know, walking our, our bicycles per se down the road, and I tell them, you can walk down to the street and stop right there, wait until I get there before you get on it and start hee-hawing down the road. Walk, walk the bike down to the street and wait until I get there. Now, the meek wait until you get there. They get down to the street and they wait. They had the ability and power to cock a leg up and go over on top of that seat and start pedaling. They had the power to do that. 
but they were waiting for you to get there. There is something with meekness and waiting because meekness is really a type of discipline. It's a type of discipline that is monitored, might I say, by the Holy Ghost. It's monitored by the Spirit of God. And our obedience is very essential in all of that. Brother Mason, you can come. I'm coming to a close. I see it's 1134. Man, I just went four minutes over. I've been running. If you'll stand with me. When Peter, in 1 Peter 3, was talking both to men and women, but he started out talking to the wives, talking about outward adornment. He spoke to them, and then he spoke to the men about basically their anger issues. Uh, in 1 Peter 3, whenever he talked about outward adornment to the ladies, first of all, he told them, he said, not to be taken so much so up with this outward adorning as much as this inward adorning. And he said, something that you should wear, he says, is an ornament of a meek, quiet spirit. Because he said, this in the sight of God is of great price. And so whenever I understand that, I understand then the attribute, this characterization of meekness that we would hone and even live out in our everyday lives. That God says, I consider that a quality that's very precious, very precious in my sight. It's of great price. And why wouldn't it be? Because when we're operating in that, we're allowing that spirit that we receive from God to have command in our life. Does that mean I don't have no rights? No. Does that mean I don't have no authority or power? No, no, and no. What that means is I understand the concept that greater power comes from submitting to the higher power. <laughs> greater power comes about from submitting to the higher power. Meekness. Power under control study Moses study Christ and you'll see it played out over and over again it's about your submission to God it's about allowing yourself to be taught guided it's about being considerate of others whenever they are in those unforeseeable and less than less than right or proper or notable circumstances that they may be Hallelujah. If we bow our heads in this place this morning. God, we need that spirit. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.